The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, uh, thanks everyone. Um, and uh, as uh, you've heard, my name is Dave. I'm a little bit like a missionary uh, at universities. So I've been living up here on the coast for about six years uh, now. Uh, when we first got here, my wife and I had to sort of start up a Christian work on campus. We didn't realise Christian groups were banned. Um, and so we were kind of this cool black op group for a while, sort of meeting underground. But then we became mainstream. Uh, so what it looks like now is there's a, a Christian club uh, on campus. Uh, and I'm a little bit like the coach uh, and the students, the players, and the, the students decide what we're going to do. And basically my job is to try and read the Bible with people. Um, I do that with a whole bunch of Christians uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I do it with a few non-Christians during the week uh, as well. So most weeks we're reading the Bible with non-Christians, which is kind of cool. Uh, and on Thursday nights we have a hangout where we get people together. Um, we put a feed on, and that's just how you get the issues. If you put pizza out, they come. And so we just do pizza Thursday night. And on Thursday nights as well, we even have a lady turn up with a modified that she just found that had a broken wing and she sort of wandered into our sort of gathering. So we tried to figure out how on earth we could help her with her magpie and then tried to trade her, look up your magpie, you listen to Jesus and a kind of call. Just got a bit weird from there. But that's kind of what my week is like. And like all missionaries, what I really love doing is making people poorer. So like all missionaries, I'm asking people to come and pray for me and people to financially support me. So if you've got too much money, too much time, you want someone to pray for on you guy. Uh, love to take you up to church. I promise you extra rewards in heaven, but it's not quite true. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in and have a look at this cracker of a passage. Uh, so please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the book of Luke. Thank you for this passage. Thank you that as this church already showed, they love you, they love their word, and so I pray you help them listen to your word well, help me. Uh, help us to take this passage seriously and figure out what difference you want it to make. Uh, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, as I said, I do work with uni students, and the older I get, the more uni students seem to just come up with ways to make them feel old. They just sort of seem to invent them. Uh, and so only about two weeks ago, I was in a room, wasn't all that much bigger than this, there was about 100 uni students in there, and I just did a quick impromptu survey. Uh, most of the students knew one another, I said, so just throw your hand in the air if you have a nickname, not just a derivative of your name, like some Day day or so if you've got a legit nickname that most of the people in this room who know you use, you know, so if your name is, I don't know, Spanner, and most of the people would call you that, and no one in the room would be like their hand. There was, there was just no one, oh, I can see someone putting up their hand, you know, but no one in the room ha- had a nickname. 100 people there, and no one had a nickname that most of their friends would use. And as soon as I figured that out, I thought, man, I <laughs> I'm just an old dude when it comes to uni years because when I went to uni, nicknames were the thing. So much so that when it came time to invite people to my wedding, I had an invite for Puma, I had one for Wombat, I had Yoda, I had Colonel, I had Sister, invited them all to the wedding. And when that, my uh, wife to me said, Alright, so what's their actual name for the invite? I had to stop and think, like, oh, like, like Puma. I mean, I lived with a guy for a couple of years. What was Puma's name? Now I grew up in country. And, you know, so I was a redneck. I didn't know anything about it. And I met a guy who was black. And I thought, well, you need a nickname. Puma's a black. I'll call you Puma. Turns out Puma's a brown. So the name didn't work anyway. And a year later, after I'd been living with him for a year, I found out he was actually an Indian guy. I thought he was Aboriginal. But anyway, it was just this whole 
sort of moment of us getting to know one another, and it was just the first time I met him, you're going to be Puma, and henceforth, to this day, he's Puma. And then there was Wombat, great mate of mine, really hairy nose. So, <laughs> then there was the Colonel, his last name was Sanders, so we had no choice there. Uh, and the last mate was Sister. Now again, grew up in the country, and we weren't the most sensitive of people, and he was the first guy I ever met who was studying nursery. I thought, well, one day you're going to be called Sister, we may as well get you used to it, so Sister was the name, and that's, uh, uh, and he is still Sister to this day. So that's, that's kind of what it was like when I went through uni. You gave people nicknames, and the thing about the name was it stuck if it was kind of significant or meaningful. Uh, and in one way, the reason I mention that is that the way into our passage today is through nicknames. If you can kind of listen to the nicknames that are in chapter 9, then you know what to do with chapter 10. Now, I usually, again, I work with new students and they just like to know when the talk's going to end, so I generally give them just a brief outline so they can follow through and know when I'm going to finish. So if you're one of those people that you like to know when you're going to finish, I'm just going to talk about four S's today. It's a bit like Sesame Street, brought to you by the letter S. So we're going to look at today's call to be involved in kingdom work, a call that is serious, strategic, symbolic, and significant. So if you want to know where we're headed, that's where we're going. Serious, strategic, symbolic and significant. The last S could be supernatural. You can just figure out which one you want there, whichever one you think is cooler. Um, but the way to actually figure out that this passage is serious is through nicknames of all things. So to show you this, if you've got your Bible open, uh, hopefully you've got one there, have a look at the beginning of Luke chapter 9. Because Luke chapter 9 is a little bit like the scripture. You know, it's a little bit like the mineral water that you're given by a waiter when you go out for fancy restaurant. It's just kind of clear the palate. Or in Eastern terms, it's a bit like the garlic bread or the Domino's pizza. Now, it's just that thing that gets all the taste out of the mouth, sort of cleanses the palate so that you can begin afresh. And, and Luke does that with names at the beginning of chapter 9. So if you've got your English version there, just scan the first six verses and you'll see that there's no names. There's just pronouns. He, him, they, that, all that sort of thing. Then you get down to verse 10, and here's where you really see that Luke is being deliberate. Now, if you've got an English version in front of you, and in verse 10 of chapter 9, you see the word Jesus, that, that, that's cool. Your, your translators are doing a good thing there, but that's actually not there in the Greek. In the Greek, you get to verse 10, and it's just pronouns. What's weird about that is, although we're talking about Jesus in verse 10, the last person that was named in verse 7 was a guy called Herod. So Herod's mentioned verse 7, you get to verse 10 and you start reading about him again, you're reading about he, you automatically, grammatically think, oh yeah, that's, um, that's Herod. But it's not, it's Jesus. So Luke's going out of his way not to use names. He doesn't want you to use Jesus' name, he wants sort of the clear palette. And then he gets into the nicknames. He's been quite clever. Have a look at verse 18 and following. Jesus and his boys are together and Jesus says to them, who do you reckon I am? Now, he's not being silly. They know he's Jesus. He knows, he knows his name. He's after the nickname, because the nickname, the associated name, is really just another way of going, this is who I think you are. We've got rid of the names. Then the question comes, who do you reckon I am? Uh, and Pete, he was the gold star boy that day, he said, you are, and depending on your translation, I'm a God's Messiah. That's giving you a Hebrew word, Messiah. Or you are the Christ. That's a Greek word. The English is just king. You're God's king. That's the answer. Who am I? You're the king. 
never been in the presence of the king. I imagine if I ever was, I'd be slightly better dressed, and I prefer to be in kind of an honourable way. I don't even know what I'd say. Um, but this is a king, Jesus wants you to see. But notice Jesus' response. He gets a little bit clever himself. He kind of says yes and no to Peter's response all in one go. Who am I? You're the king. Well, that's a pretty cool title. But listen to what Jesus has to say. Verse 21, he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell this to no one, saying, the son of man. He uses a weird nickname, a weird title himself. He might not be the king. Well, actually, I'm not just a king. I'm the king. I'm the son of man. 922, 926, 944, 958. I'm the son of man. It's the only way Jesus refers to himself in this chapter. And the big man is, and I don't know if you've heard this all before, but have a look at Daniel 7. If you've been reading through Daniel 7, it's a really weird chapter. It actually chrono uh, chronologically comes at the end of Daniel 5. Halfway through Daniel's life, he served two just wrong kings. They're just violent men. He gets this vision, but he doesn't tell you it. And then we get Daniel 6, he meets two more kings. Then Daniel 7, we then hear what Daniel heard in his life a couple of years earlier. After four rotten kings, he then tells you about this vision of four ferocious beasts. They're just violent, they're the kings that he's dealt with. And he's living in this time where those violent kings are just being ordinary and violent towards the people of God. And he gets this vision of these beasts just going around doing their thing, destroying until God breaks in. And the ancient of days, God breaks in and he just calms everything. And he does it through this figure called the Son of Man. And the Son of Man is this eternal figure, just a man. God's going to fix everything through the rule of a man. And he's treated like God himself. All people, all kings, all nations worship him forever. This is who Jesus wants you to have in mind when you listen to this chapter. Who am I? Well, you're Jesus, but you're the king. Well, yeah, I'm not just a king. I'm the king of kings. And if you can't see it there, just have a quick squeeze at the verses before chapter 10. These are the last things Jesus is going to say before he launches into our passage. And he's just telling us, playtime's over. This is serious. The son of man has turned up. The king is here, and it's all about to go down. Verse 58. Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has no place uh, to lay his head. That is, the son of man is leading an elite squad of troops. He's got nowhere comfortable to be. He's just out there on the front line Let the dead bury their own dead. What's been one of the greatest tragedies of COVID? It's when people can't cross borders to get to humans. And, and, and we quite rightly be upset about that. That is a horrible thing to have happen when you can't make it to a funeral. And Jesus is saying, what I'm about to tell you, what's about to go down is so important, you don't even let funerals slow you down. Well, verse 62, no one who puts his hand on the plough, you know, no one who's looking straight ahead, you know what they should do. No one who puts his hand on the plough and looks back, you know, if I'm worried about things behind him, his feet, they're not even worthy, they don't even belong in the kingdom of God. This is the king of kings, the ruler for whom God is going to fix all the problems of the world, telling you that playtime is over and you need to listen up. This is serious, the message we're about to so what on earth is it? Well, it's the strategic representatives, the strategic mission of the kingdom of God. Have a look at me at chapter 10, verse 1. We've got our actual passage. We've got a bit quicker now, so we won't go for long. 
the Lord appointed, you know, he's gathered together, he's posse, and they're a bigger group, 70 of them, it was 12 a few chapters before, and now he's got 70, and he sent them out, literally in the Greek, he apostled them, apostolos them. So, we had John the Baptist, who was an apostle, he was sent out by Jesus. Then we had the 12 apostles, who were apostles, they were sent out by Jesus. Now we've got the 70, and they're apostles, they're being sent out by Jesus, and they're being sent out to do this. Have a look there in verse 2. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. So this is what's so important. This is why you need to know that Jesus is the Son of Man, the King of Kings. It's listen up time, because Jesus is sending out the 70. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Now, living here on the coast, I, I couldn't even tell you what harvest time is. I don't even know what it's growing around here. Apparently, it's pineapple farms and that kind of thing. I, I don't even really know what's about here. But I grew up in a little country town. And when you grow up in a little country town, and it's harvest time, then whether or not you live on the land, you know what's going on. So when it was wheat harvest, or even water bottling, when it was rice harvest, the cities were just everywhere. The town kind of shut down. And even though we had headers and tractors and field bins and all that sort of stuff, everyone knew when it was harvest time. And the biggest tragedy of harvest time was now if it rained, when the wheat was about to be stripped and the whole thing got wet, the rust would kick in, it would just go mouldy, and you would see farmers crying, and the rain would make them cry because they're, they're just losing, losing the whole crop. And this is sort of the metaphor Jesus is playing around with. The harvest is abundant. Like this, this is a bundle of crop. There's just food everywhere. And food equals sustenance, it equals survival, it equals money. It's just everywhere. There's food everywhere. That's not the problem. The problem is workers. The workers of the Now, don't miss the metaphor here. He's using crop analogy. He's talking people, isn't he? What he's actually saying is that there are people everywhere. The harvest is abundant, but there's a danger. What's the danger? Well, the danger is the harvest isn't going to happen. What actually happens if the harvest doesn't go ahead? Well, that the food just rots on the vine, rots on the stalk, rots on the ground. There's destruction. What, what happens to people, though, when there's no harvest? Notice all the judgment Thank you. 
stone. When it comes to this serious call to be part of the kingdom of God, to actually be part of what God is on about, is not just a call for you to actually get to know your neighbour, get to know your mates, your non-Christian family and tell them about Jesus. That's not just what this passage is about because this passage is telling us that the harvest is abundant but there's a bottleneck, there's a problem and the problem is there's not enough workers. Did you see that? The problem is not that there's not enough people to go chat to. And the problem is not that the workers that we've got aren't doing what they should do. The problem is not enough workers. Not enough harvesters of harvest, if I can put it like that. The bottleneck is actually that there are so many people who are part of the kingdom of God doing nothing. The end point of what Jesus is challenging us to do here is to actually raise up harvesters, raise up workers, raise up people who are not just in, alright? They're not just part of the kingdom of God, they're not just people, they're not just loving Jesus, but they're actually equipped for work. They're ready to work, their boots on the ground mentality. So Jesus, according to him, the kingdom of God is all about, it's not just bringing people in, it's bringing people in and raising them up to the point where they can then bring others in. It's all about workers. It's about workers bringing in the harvest. Evangelism is not our end game. It's not just about bringing people the message of Jesus. It's about then raising them up so that they're then capable of clearly telling the people around them about Jesus so they can then bring people in. This is a serious work and it's a strategic work. We need to train our people, we need to motivate our people, we need to equip our people so that they can chat clearly about Jesus. And this is such an important work that nothing is meant to slow you down, nothing at all. So you get that there in verse 4. Take no money bag, traffic bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Be like a man. And you know what I mean when I say mammal? You're hearing some type of You see everywhere. It's a middle-aged man in the life road. We're just wandering around with our bikes. We slow you up and then we travel anywhere. But the thing you'll notice about the middle-aged man in life is the life road. He, he doesn't take anything that slows him down. Even dignity, he doesn't take anything. He doesn't take anything with him. That slows him down. You can see exactly what he's carrying because he's got no pockets, he's got no bags, he's got no pillows, he has got everything right there. And this is why, exactly, this is why us mammals go to cafes together in groups. We men can be humiliating to be going on your own, very that stuff. We go on packs, we hunt together, and we raid the roads every morning. You know, we know you don't want to stay. And we know you're going to ride us off as soon as you. What we should be doing, we should be coming in bubble wrap. That's what we should be wearing, but we don't take anything with us that slows us down. What have you got to be like in this task of not just telling non-Christians about Jesus, but training, discipleship, mentoring, where as people come in, they're actually equipped to then go back out. They've actually got the loop happening. How serious is that work? Well, don't, don't, don't be slowed down. Money, survival, it's not that Safety, security, it's not important. Don't be slowed down on this work. What are we doing in this work? That's what I thought about. Did you see that there? When you come to a house, proclaim peace, verse 5. Now it's true that if you're a Jewish person back in the day, we say good day, they said shalom, it was just a greeting, it said peace, but 
where a physical healing matches a spiritual healing. They were, out, they were doing all sorts of significant things and they were talking about the kingdom of God. Now, if you were there on the day, what would you get more excited about? The healing? Or talking about Jesus? Now, I talk about Jesus for a bit. Very few people come up to me and say, look, it's so good. You've just got to get along. You know, you know the significance 
the thing, if the thing you are most excited about is that Jesus loves you. If you know Jesus loves you, you have to figure out what the thing is all about. If you think there's something more exciting than Jesus loves you, you can't figure out what the kingdom is all about. These guys were sent out, there's amazing stuff going out, stuff I've never seen. But the most exciting thing says Jesus is the one who can see ultimate reality, the one who can see what's even happening to Satan. He says, no, no, this is what you need to be excited about. Your name is written in the book of heaven. You are your kingdom forever. The king of kings has brought the kingdom that will not end into this world right where you are now and your reign. You're there.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.